Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Overcoming Chronic Illness podcast. My name is Dr. Brian Reid, and today I am joined by a nutrition specialist. Uh, her name is Justine Stenger. I hope I'm pronouncing her last name correctly. I'll double check uh, when I bring her into the interview. Um, so Justine is, practices in Calgary, Alberta, a fellow Canadian. I haven't really had too many Canadians on the podcast so far, just a, just a couple. So happy to have another one on board. And uh, she practices at a clinic called the Hoffman Center, where they do a lot of really awesome integrative treatments. So um, I was um, I, I reached out to Justine to see if she would be willing to be a guest on my podcast because she has a lot of great social media content. She posts videos all the time on Instagram. I see videos in my feed from her every day and or every well pretty much every day, uh, every weekday anyways, I think. And um, she talks a lot about phospholipids and phospholipids is a topic that's really important uh, for mitochondrial health and cellular health in general, in particular for mitochondrial health. And so I'm excited to pick her brain about that. And just recently I saw she posted some videos about other interesting topics like uh, methylene blue and molecular hydrogen. And just seems like she's uh, uh, interested in a lot of really interesting topics and seems like she has a lot of experience with um, different areas that would be uh, helpful for folks dealing with complex chronic illness. So I'm looking forward to my chat with her uh, just before I bring <clears throat> bring her into the interview, uh, into the meeting here. Uh, just a quick mention that um, if you're not already subscribed to my mailing list, uh, please consider doing so. Um, the link to do that is in the show notes for the podcast, or if you're watching this on episodes in the comment section below, um, by signing up for my mailing list, you get uh, access to the first two modules of my overcoming chronic illness course. And you're also on my mailing list. So if I have live Q and A's or uh, just other things that I'm interested and excited about in practice, then you'll be the first to know if you're on that mailing list. So I see that Justine is ready to go with the interview. So I'm going to pause the recording for a second and I'll be right back with her. All right, everyone. Well, I'm back with Justine Stenger and Justine, thanks so much for joining me today. Um, very excited to chat with you about uh, a lot of different topics like phospholipids and i heard you recently posted uh, a video about uh, methylene blue and molecular hydrogen and I'm sure you're into a lot of other cool stuff based on the instagram posts i've seen of yours over the last several months so uh thank you for joining me and do you mind uh, just uh, telling the audience a little bit about who you are and how you got involved in working with folks dealing with uh, complex chronic illnesses yeah for sure well thank you so much for having me first of all it's an honor and pleasure to be here with you today I, my journey in chronic complex illness really started with myself, uh, which is why I think a lot of us uh, who are in this field really got into this field because of our own health journey. So I ended up getting connected with Bruce Hoffman in 2012, and that was my connection with him was really what was the catalyst to me going and pursuing my education through IFM and getting connected with some really phenomenal lipid researchers. And that's how I fell in love with cell membrane medicine, which is my area of expertise now and really all that I study and all that I teach for the most part. And I also work with Bruce uh, through the Hoffman Center for Integrative Medicine. I work with his patients. So he's primarily working with patients that have mast cell activation syndrome, mold illness, Lyme disease, combination of all three, but we're seeing a lot of mast cell. I would say that's probably the main patient demographic that I am working with nutritionally now and the main patient demographic that he sees. So that's a kind of the cold Cole's notes of my journey. I also do, as you know, I'm a huge, huge, huge um, supporter of body bio products. We use them clinically and they have a beautiful line that is designed to support the cell membrane. And so I also do clinical education uh, for them and their practitioners. So that's, I have my hands dipped in lots of little areas. They're good areas to have your hands dipped into. And yeah, I was going to ask you how you got hooked up with Dr. Hoffman, because I saw that, you know, when I was doing some research for the uh, podcast interview, I saw, like, oh, you're at the Hoffman Center. And I mean, uh, just for folks who aren't familiar with the acronym, uh, the IFM is the Institute for Functional Medicine, kind of this like uh, best known, most renowned um, institute that trains clinicians in functional medicine. Um, so if you're a medical doctor or a nutritionist or chiropractor or someone where you're like, oh, I want to learn about integrative medicine, then this is this is the place to go. Um, and uh, yeah, just with Dr. Hoffman, there 
really aren't that many uh, integrative uh, or functional medicine doctors in like medical doctors in Canada. It's such a, uh, where I mentioned in the intro, we're both Canadian and um, just not that many um, in our country, you know, you compare it to the States and there's oodles and oodles, but uh, yeah. So Dr. Hoffman's name has been, you know, whispered on the winds out in my neck of the woods. I've had some patients who have traveled all the way out there from beautiful Atlantic Canada over here. So uh, it's great that you're working with him. Um, as far as the mass cell activation side of it goes, oh, oh, sorry, did you want to say something first, Justine? I was just going to say he's, I mean, he's just uh, the most incredible physician. I, I have been, I say all the time, I've been in this field for almost 12 years now. And I can still say out of all of the doctors that I've met that many of them are incredible physicians. There's still nobody that I've met that's working in the same universe as him. He just, the, the way that he practices is really through a seven level, seven layer model. And so there's no stone left unturned and he really practices medicine more like an art. So he has a really phenomenal way of working patients up and treating them and, and gets incredible results. So it's been really great working beside him. And I've learned an enormous amount. That's awesome. I'm thinking I need to see if you can pull some strings for me so I can talk to him on my podcast because I'd like to like to chat with him, especially now yeah. that you've given yeah. such a great plug. So no, no yeah. pressure, but uh, okay, we'll happy see what we can work out. Yeah, happy great. to. Thank you. Um, so um, just where you mentioned about mast cell activation, I'm just just kind of a random question here. Well, not random, but just a kind of random question about MCAS. Um, of all the folks that you've worked with over the years or that you've kind of heard about through by proxy, like uh, other like patients at the clinic, whether you're working with them or hearing about them, um, what percentage of patients who are super, super sensitive, like those folks that are, you know, universal reactors, or they can only eat like, you know, three foods and everything else flares them up, or they can't tolerate any supplements because everything flares them up unless you start with baby doses and gradually build up and this and that all those super sensitive patients, um, in your experience, what approximate percentage of them, would you say it winds up that there's a mast cell activation component with, with them? Well, I, everyone that I see has a mast cell component. So so hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I think that it's, I mean, and it's really ramped up, unfortunately, just since COVID and, uh, we see a lot from, vaccinations at inducing mast cell activation syndrome. So I work with patients all the time that are coming and only able to consume five, six, seven foods. Now I do want to say that a lot of it, I think is, and I don't want to come across as people thinking that I think this is in their head because that's not what I'm saying, but I do think that regulation becomes a key component to treatment because there's such a heightened stress response. Um, the amygdala is so enlarged in so many of these patients. And I think a lot of it, uh, their reactions are coming from fear of reacting to foods. And we know that stress will cause mast cells to degranulate. So that's, that's one of many triggers, but I have noticed working with patients that the most important piece of the treatment and getting them to be able to consume more foods is bioregulation, somatic experience therapy, doing neurofeedback, uh, just really, really working on regulating their, their nervous system. I hope uh, folks listening are really paying attention to that where, um, yeah, just that uh, nervous system regulation seems to be so important. I, I think probably the last, like, I don't know, nine of my 12 guests have all said like, yeah, like the really sensitive folks, the really sick folks where it's really hard to make headway. Like it's that nervous system regulation therapy, um, whether it's amygdala retraining or somatic experiencing neurofeedback, that kind of thing, like just so important. So you're, you're yet another one mentioning this. And so when you keep hearing the same thing again and again, from these folks that are steeped in this field, just again, note to the listeners, um, you know, it's something really to pay attention to. It's so, uh, much, you know, quote unquote easier to like, you know, Oh, just I'll take the right herb or the right pill. And like, those are all so, so important in many cases, but, um, that nervous system work, um, it's, it can be really, really important. We just keep hearing it again and again. So appreciate you emphasizing that. Yeah, I um, know. I'm, I'm glad that it's being talked about because I do feel as if so many people are so focused on, we, we call it level two because of Dr. Hoffman seven, um, level seven layer model, but so focused on the biochemical piece. And I always say that the biochemistry is really the easiest piece to fix. It's everything else, you know, that, um, requires a lot of work on the patient's part. So we're always looking for the next supplement or then, you know, next shiny penny in the nutraceutical world, that's going to help to 
heal or suppress symptoms. And it really comes down to, in so many cases, just getting those patients regulated. And that's where you see so much healing, healing occur. Yeah, it's really important to have it on the radar for sure. Um, you did mention neurofeedback and um, neurofeedback is very much on my brain, no pun intended, um, in that I'm just in the process in my clinic of uh, starting to work with neurofeedback that we bought a brain mapping system and we're just about to launch it like next week. I'm just wondering if, uh, do you, uh, does somebody at um, the Hoffman Center do neurofeedback or do you folks refer out for that or what's your experience with that? Yeah, that's a huge piece of, of Bruce's treatment um, and, and workup is doing brain mapping. So we have somebody in the clinic that does the brain mapping and then Bruce will read it. Uh, but yeah, it's it's paramount. I have heard him say that he doesn't know if he could practice without that brain map because it's so, so critical for um, developing a roadmap for those patients for treatment. That's amazing. Um, do you uh, do you know offhand which system uh, you folks use in the clinic, which company it is? I don't know. That would be a good question for him. I'm hardly ever in the, in the clinic. Brian, I do all of my appointments online now. So I basically go to the clinic for, to say hi to the the girls and to do IVs. And that's, that's pretty much it at this point. (laughs) Gotcha. Okay. Well, I'll I'll have to pick his brain on the side, but just, just curious. Um, I'm completely like obsessed with it right now. And that's like all I'm looking into, like where you're looking into cell membrane stuff all the time. I'm, I'm the neurofeedback guy right now. So um, yeah, well, uh, thanks for sharing all of that. Um, and kind of circling around two more of the biochemical piece, um, actually, sorry, before we get, before we get there, I'm, I'm sure folks listening are wondering like, what are the other seven layers or what are the other six layers? So do, do you mind uh, just giving us like the elevator pitch on the, the seven layers and, um, just speak to that for a couple of minutes, if you don't mind. Well, you know what, I'm going to leave that to, for you to talk to Dr. Hoffman about it because he does such an eloquent, um, I mean, he speaks to seven level seven layers so eloquently, Um, But there is the environmental piece, there's the biochemical piece or the physical piece. Um, He does electromagnetic um, testing. He always does a workup in patients' home with um, uh, somebody that will come in and do a whole assessment of electromagnetic fields. Um, He works on the soul level, the mind, the spirit. So there's... Yeah, there's a lot to it. So I, I really would encourage you to get, I'll definitely get you guys in, in touch um, because the way that he explains how he practices is really, I will not do it justice. Um, you'll want to hear it from him. Okay. That's, that's a very good lead up. So you, you've got my curiosity peaked. So great. Well, I'll, I'll hopefully be able to chat with him pretty soon. Um, so um, as far as the uh, kind of on that biochemical level, and if uh where phospholipids and uh, in membrane support and whatnot would be um, on that level. I, I would assume that's uh, on that biochemical level. Um, so could you uh, just speak to kind of the importance of um, cell membrane support and maybe just kind of at a little bit more of a bird's eye view level, like why should we care about that? Uh, you know, why should we care about cell membranes? And then maybe from there, we can kind of talk about what types of therapeutics might be helpful to support the cell membranes and what kind of clinical impact we might see from that. But maybe just starting us off with a bird's eye view of, you know, why, why should we care about our cell membrane integrity or, or, or any membrane integrity, maybe mitochondrial membranes? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, our membranes are everything. So we're, when we look at disease, we always need to look back at the cell because the structure and the function of your cells is what determines your health. And so when we have a breakdown on the cellular level, when we look at the cell membrane, every one of our cells, every one of the trillions of cells that make up the human body and the 200 different cell types have these biological membranes. And the biological membranes, there's an outer and an inner membrane. The outer is primarily comprised of phosphatidylcholine. And then the inner membrane is primarily comprised of phosphatidylethanolamine, phosphatidylinositol, and phosphatidylserine. So the first thing is, is the body is all about compartmentalization. So we compartmentalize from cell to cell with these biological membranes. And then we also have that same level of compartmentalization inside the cell with these biological membranes. So you're exactly right when it comes to the mitochondrial membrane. The mitochondrial membrane has that outer and inner membrane. There's also an innermost uh, membrane in the mitochondrial as well called the cardiolipin. And that actually, we'll talk a little bit about essential fatty acids if you're open to going there uh, and the importance of linoleic acid for healthy mitochondrial functioning. But just to go back to the cell membrane, when we look at the cell membrane, everything is happening on the cell membrane. 
all of our proteins, all our peptides, all of our receptors, all of our ion channels, this is all happening on the membrane. So when we improve the structure and the function of our cell membrane, and we improve the fluidity of those fatty acid tails on the phosphatidylcholine molecule, we are simultaneously improving every marker of health. So it is, Brian, for me, even just going back to my training and through IFM and everything, every training that I've done over the last 12 years in this field, it was really understanding the power of lipid replacement therapy, restoring the health of the cell membrane that made everything make sense to me and really make me question why we are not talking about this more, because it really is the true foundation of our health. We're, we're all made of cells. And even when we look at it through a personalized medicine lens, everybody needs phospholipids. Everybody needs essential fatty acid support. So that should be a conversation. I, not that I want to should anyone, but I would hope that that's a conversation in every single integrative medical practice uh, because other, otherwise, you know, we're not really going to get very far long-term. Uh, even when we look about, think about nutrients that are getting into the cell and waste that are removed from the cell, that is all dependent on healthy cell membrane. Um, one uh, question on that. So, um, and I, you know, you hear these numbers, you know, enough people say it at conferences, you're like, oh, yeah, that's probably true. But like, you know, it's hard to find time, time to fact check everything. So one of the things I've been meaning to fact check and always a million things to look into, but I've heard uh, once upon a time that uh, something to the effect of like 70% of all of our phospholipids are phosphatidylcholine. Um, and it's really interesting to hear you talk about the specific makeup of the inner membrane versus the outer membrane. Um, but uh, have you heard a similar number? Do you know offhand if that's if that's true or is that is that uh, old school out of date knowledge? What's uh, the overall percentage of phosphatidylcholine if you happen to know? The outer membrane is roughly about 50% phosphatidylcholine. Uh, and then the inner membrane, the primary phospholipid in the inner membrane is about, or the primary phospholipid in the inner membrane is phosphatidylethanolamine. So those phospholipids are making up the majority of, of the membrane, but we also have cholesterol and we all, those fatty acid tails I talked about. So when you look at a phosphatidylcholine molecule, there's a polar head group or a choline component. So that's what a lot of people will say, that's our essential nutrient, choline. So that's much different than phosphatidylcholine, uh, which for whatever reason is used interchangeably, even in the scientific literature, they'll call sunflower lecithin or triple lecithin uh, phosphatidylcholine. Uh, but that's very different. That's something that I think is really important for, for people and patients to understand too, the difference between most phosphatidylcholine supplements on the market and the body bio PC. This is where it just blows all the other supplements out of the water because it's, it's, it's a, the actual molecule, the phosphatidylcholine molecule, the phosphatidylethanolamine that formula is pure phospholipids. So you're really giving your body those exact substrates that it needs to go in and repair damage to the cell membrane to repair the mitochondrial membrane. You don't have to take when you consume lecithin, uh, sunflower lecithin or soy lecithin, that's going to get broken down in the gut uh, by lipase and digestive enzymes into uh, choline and fatty acids. And then that needs to go through either the CDP choline or Kennedy pathway or the methyltransferase choline system or through the Genova synthesis pathway to make phospholipids. So that's where there's a huge discrepancy between these, uh, the body bio PC as an example, and, you know, taking a lecithin powder. Um, you, you really want to make sure that you're providing your body with those pure phospholipids, especially when we're working with people that are chronically ill, because, because then we're giving those people the exact materials that they need to repair their membrane. And when we think about, I use this analogy a lot, because I think it's really important to think about our biochemistry, just like we would our bank account. If we were to only take withdrawals out of our bank account over the course of our life and never put valuable deposits in, most of us would end up bankrupt. And our biochemistry is the same way. So when we get chronic illness or disease or have all these symptoms manifest, we're, you know, it's a sign that we're biochemically bankrupt. And these phospholipids and essential fatty acids are such valuable deposits in that biochemical bank account. So we can really move the needle uh, a huge way um, when we supplement with these phospholipids and fatty acids to repair the membrane, repair the mitochondria membrane from you know, the cell danger response and uh, restore ultimately restore health. Um, 
I have some follow-up questions on that. Thank you for for that. Um, and just before I get to my questions, I always forget um, this at the start, but uh, just for, as, as in every episode of the Overcoming Chronic Illness podcast, nothing that we're saying should be construed as medical advice. This is all for informational purposes only. If you need any uh, medical advice, please talk to your healthcare provider to get that advice. Um, so just kind of circling back to something that you said in that last uh, little section. Um, so like, for example, there's a uh, a, I won't name any companies, uh, not that this is, you know, CME approved for credits or anything, but just so we don't throw anybody under the bus here inadvertently. Uh, but there's a company and, you know, we carry their, you know, phosphatidylcholine supplement, or, or maybe I'll say in quotes, phosphatidylcholine supplement. Um, and on the label, it says, you know, each gel cap contains, you know, 420 milligrams of phosphatidylcholine, uh, full stop. So, um, so you're, am I correct to assume that unless that's, um, a very specific company um, offering a very specific product that's probably not actually phosphatidylcholine. It might just be choline, or at the very least, it's the type that's going to get broken down and not uh, absorbed 100%. Is it, am I understanding that yeah. correctly? There's only two two brands that I know that are sold that are pure phospholipids. Uh, so Body Bio is one of them, and then there's another company out of Europe that's uh, pharmaceutical grade, hmm. uh, and it's double the price of, of the body bio PC. So, um, much, uh, more of an investment, but yeah, yes, that you're, you would be right. It's, it's likely lethicin, sunflower or soy lethicin. It is. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, I mean, that's what it says it's derived from, but then it does say like 420 milligrams per, per capsule of like phosphatidylcholine. Um, but anyways, please go ahead. Yeah. So the, one of the ways that you can tell if it's a true phospholipid is if you mix that product with water uh, in a blender on high. So you'd want to do equal parts, the product with equal parts, filtered water, blend that in a Vitamix for 30 seconds on high. And you should get this beautiful, um, you know, mixture that, that validates that it's actually a liposome. Um, most of the products you'll see, it separates it doesn't combine. And so that's your indication that it's likely going to get broken down in the gut. Not that that's not, that can't be beneficial for some people, but there are also are contraindications to taking uh, lethicin. You see in the literature that lethicin can raise TMAO, whether or not that's a bad thing is kind of still a big question mark, uh, but you will see uh, TMAO levels rise. And then you also need to consider patients that have SNPs in the CDP choline or Kennedy pathway or methylation issues. Uh, that's another really important thing for people to understand is that we focus a lot on B6, B12, and folate to support methylation and the recycling of homocysteine. But the foundation of that system is phosphatidylcholine and actually creatine. So we can use phosphatidylcholine to uh, take the load off of that system. So for every gram of, of PC that we consume in supplement form is actually a gram that our body doesn't need to make. So we're freeing up all the space for repair. So I always remind people that when we're supporting methylation, yes, we need B6, B12, and folate to support the recycling, but we can also artificially lower homocysteine if we're not supporting the foundation of that system with phosphatidylcholine and creatine. So there's just so many benefits to it. It also, phosphatidylcholine also regulates the reverse cholesterol transport system. So when we look at people's HDL markers, there's a lot of people that have low HDL. So we know those people are really going to benefit from phosphatidylcholine because it's going to regulate it and, and hopefully bring it up to where we want it between 60 and 90. Uh, those are US measurements. And then also we know that when, people have high levels of HDL, it's often dysfunctional. So we don't wanna be celebrating HDL levels above 90 because it's uh, usually a dysfunctional HDL. And we can use PC to help to regulate that as well. You mentioned earlier before we started recording that you're used to a US space podcast. So you've got yeah. all the US numbers <laughs> down. It's like, oh man, if you had like 90 and Canadian units, like, oh my gosh, you're more cholesterol than human at that point. Uh, it's <laughs> funny how those scales are so different. And and uh, yeah. for folks who are interested, I believe if you divide by 38.6, that'll get you into the Canadian units. So nice, nice round number there, that 38.6. Um, <laughs> so um, yeah few questions uh, stemming from what you just said there, uh, Justine, so super fascinating. Um, could you just speak a little bit more to how if a person had, because actually I just followed up with a patient um, late last week that, uh, you know, they had quite a high HDL. He was um, yeah, 2.7, which whatever 
multiply, multiply that by 38.6 and that's what it is American units. So like, you know, fairly high HDL, all things considered. And so um, you're insinuating that that's maybe not a good sign uh, that there, that's showing some sign of dysfunction. And, and if I'm understanding you correctly, could you just elaborate on that a bit more? Yeah. So my, my training, when I, I, the lipid um, researcher or the, the scientist that, that mentored me had said that anything above 90 is really dysfunctional. So we have this, we often have a really myopic focus on a lot of markers. Uric acid is another one where it's the lower, lower the uric acid, the better, but low uric acid is correlated with neurodegenerative disease. Uh, so, you know, we don't, there's a Goldilocks effect with a lot of these markers and HDL is another marker that has that Goldilocks effect. So typically when levels are really high, that, uh, system is not working properly. So for anyone that doesn't know what HDL does, that's the reverse cholesterol transport system. So that's passively removing excess cholesterol from the cell membrane. So really, really important to, um, support healthy cell membrane structure and function, and also intimately connected with you know, things like cancer and neurological diseases and cardiovascular disease, it's really helping to control inflammation in the body. So we want to make sure that we have a healthy range of HDL. And uh, I was always taught that that high levels are, are an indication that that system is not working efficiently and it's dysfunctional. So sort of there's HDL is too high, like say over 90 in, in US units, then that's an indication that maybe that HDL is not actually doing what we think that it should be doing, like that there's a lot of it, but it's just not working very well. And you're actually maybe not taking the cholesterol away from where it should be taken away from. Exactly. So same consequences as having low, low oh, yeah. HD. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Um, and that taking the, like taking an actual phosphatidylcholine supplement would um, help to correct those levels. Yeah. Yeah. Right. PC hmm. regulates that whole system. Hmm. Yeah. Just taking some notes here. So excuse my uh, arm getting into the video here. Um, okay. And uh, over what kind of time frame? Like if you had a patient on the right uh, dose of, of PC and like other phospholipids, um, what, uh, like, would you expect that to normalize? Like, does it take three months, six months, a year? Like how, how long does it take to get those numbers looking better? You actually see pretty great improvements, I would say within three to six months. Of, of supplementing. And you had mentioned, Brian, that that capsule that you're using clinically is 450 milligrams. So I do want to just say that clinically we use very high doses. So we're using usually about two tablespoons of the body bio PC. And so just to kind of give you an idea, I would have to do the math, but a half a teaspoon of the PC is going to provide you with 1300 milligrams of phospholipids. So it, because it's a complex, it doesn't have the exact breakdown of each specific phospholipid. So PC, PE, PI, and PS, it just, um, has a total, but just to give you an idea, we use, yeah, up to two tablespoons. So we're using that's much higher than the 450, yeah, yeah, the 450 milligrams. And that's really what we've seen. We do, you know, Bruce does very extensive testing, so he doesn't just, you know, throw darts in the dark, but that is what we have found uh, is the dose that is really needed for most people to restore mitochondrial dysfunction. And remember, PC has so many detoxification, it's such a powerful detoxification agent, so, so many people that are sick and we're all riddled with toxins. I mean, anybody that thinks that they're not is really delusional <laughs> in all due respect. Uh, and I've been really humbled by that too. I mean, I just had a test done in February and I really, really, um, that person that lives the most non-toxic lifestyle as possible. I know that I have no control over toxins when I exit my home, but you know, when it comes to body products and cleaning products and food and, you know, blocking EMFs and, you know, kind of doing all the things. And even my test results were so tragic when it came to, you know, the level of toxins that I had uh, in my membrane attached to my DNA. And so they're really, it's unavoidable. And so we can really use PC not only to help remove all those toxins, but we can use it prophylactically to help prevent toxins from accumulating in the cell. Because when we have adequate amounts of phospholipids in the cell membrane, toxins are actually not able to get into the cell. It acts as a barrier to entry. So there's no room for them. 
And then phosphatidylcholine is also able to work its way into the cell and remove intracellular toxins, remove toxins that have attached to your DNA. We call those DNA adducts. And that is one of the main reasons why I got into this whole field, because I saw like clockwork patients would come in, they had such severe mitochondrial dysfunction, they were riddled with toxins. And within nine months, we'd retest after taking the PC for about nine months, and their their test would be completely clear. Uh, so it's really, really phenomenal how we can use this essential nutrient. Uh, that's helping to support the body in all aspects, uh, but it's also simultaneously helping to support detoxification. Sounds very good. Um, and I'm just curious, a bunch, much more questions here. Every time you talk, it's like, there's five more questions. We're never going to get to all of them, Justine, but we'll, we'll do our best. Um, so, um, oh, geez. And then I just lost it after that little uh, preamble there. Um Oh, right. Uh, the test for, um, and sorry, I'm paraphrasing here, but like toxins down to your DNA, like was that an 8-OHDG level or is that some some other test that was looking at uh, toxins bound to your DNA? Yeah, no, we run the IGL out of Germany. So it's an epigenetic um, mitochondrial test. Oh, okay. Yeah, I heard about I heard about them. I, we haven't uh, haven't taken the the plunge yet into looking into it, but what's, um, so it's the, it's the IGL lab, is the, is the name IGL of the lab? lab. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah. Okay. Um, are there other tests beyond the IGL lab uh, testing that would kind of be uh, used to assess for um, indicators that would suggest a person might need more phospholipids? Yeah, the red blood cell fatty acid test actually done through Body Bio is one of my favorites. So that's done actually through the Kennedy Krieger lab at the John Hopkins University. And that's the gold standard for fatty acid testing. And then Body Bio provides the wellness report for practitioners. It's an incredible test. It was actually the reason why I went and studied essential fatty acids because of the whole narrative around fish oil and everybody supplementing with fish oil. And I would see on all these tests, almost all of the tests. And that's <laughs> really, really honest. I know that we hear this narrative that everybody is overdosing on omega-6s and has way too much omega-6, but I would see the opposite clinically where all these people were taking high dose fish oil and because of taking high dose fish oil, they tank their entire linoleic acid side and, you know, it results in things like demyelinating because our myelin is made, you know, our main fatty acids in myelin are linoleic acid and arachidonic acid um, outside of phosphatidylcholine being the main phospholipid in myelin. So these fatty acids, balancing them and having that harmony um, uh, between the two essential fatty acids is so incredibly important. Um, and on that body bio red blood cell fatty acid test, again, done through the Kennedy Krieger lab, you can see the two essential parent oils and all of the downstream metabolites. Um, you have a myelination index, you have peroxisomal function. So our peroxisomes for everyone that's listening are also little organelles in the cell. They work very closely with the mitochondria to beta oxidize fatty acids. And so you'll see when there's a buildup of things like very long chain fatty acids or renegade uh, fatty acids or saturated odd, uh, you know that your peroxisomes are likely under a lot of stress and not beta oxidizing those fatty acids properly. So that's a beautiful marker. Uh, but mostly just to kind of go back to those two essential fatty acids, I really was able to see clearly how detrimental it is to our cellular health when we're taking fish oil or, you know, even just eating fish too often and not supporting our mother essential fatty acid, which is linoleic acid, um, which is another reason why I am, I love the body bio balance oil for that reason, because you're providing uh, patients or individuals with a four to one ratio of linoleic acid to alpha linolenic. So that's the perfect ratio that we want. We want a four to one to optimize um, cellular health and fluidity and too much fish oil because those polyunsaturated fatty acids have a lot of fluidity. It actually will facilitate a leaky cell membrane. So we can have a leaky gut, a leaky blood brain barrier, but we can also have leaky cell membranes and we can actually facilitate that by just overdosing fish oil. So I always tell people to proceed with caution um, with fish oil supplementation and to just always really make sure that you're supporting uh, the omega-6 side as well. 
Yeah, it's it's a really interesting topic. Uh, there's only one other person I've heard talk about how like, oh, like maybe we need more omega-6s than omega-3s. And I'm, I'm blanking on his name, but I know he uses the term like parent essential oil, which is like, you need a different oh, term because then people think of essential oils. What, what, what was that that you said? Sorry. Ryan Peskin. That's the one. Yeah. 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 And uh, remember, yeah, I always think of fish with Peskin. So yeah, that's, that's the mnemonic that I forgot. Um, yeah. So is that kind of, is he the main driver of that information or is he just tapping into the same literature that the body bio folks are uh, tapping into? Do, do you know? He's tapping into the same literature. Yeah. I know, I know of his work well, but he's not who I originally learned, learned that from. There's many, many lipid researchers that teach that. I feel like they've been kind of lost um, in the woods again, just with a lot of the research around omega-3s. And I know a lot of the, these studies that come out are very short-term studies and omega-3s have, have lots of powerful anti-inflammatory properties. But I always remind people that they do have the ability to suppress the immune system. So you will see really profound anti-inflammatory uh, benefit short-term, but long-term high-dose fish oil and overdoing that one essential fatty acid is... Uh, yeah, not not ideal. <laughs> um, with uh, I know when I heard I think it was on the Better Health Guy podcast, uh, one of my favorite podcasters of all time. Um, I, when he in interviewed Ryan Peskin, he, uh, if I'm recalling correctly, uh, Mr. Peskin was saying um, there's uh, what is it like? Most of the labs will have just kind of reference ranges for like the omega-3 the omega-6 like the fatty acid profiles that really just um sort of unfairly favor the omega-3s does the um body bio do those reports like kind of factor factor that in more or do you have to kind of take the results with a little bit of a grain of salt with uh, looking at those specific ratios on the report they're not they don't do ratios brian they do ah. actual concentrations in the cell membrane so yeah, so it's very different than a lot of these other fatty acid tests that are they're giving you a percentile. And the percentile, I don't know what every lab is using in terms of ratio, but I know a lot of labs use a two to one ratio from the linoleic acid to the omega-3 side. Uh, and I just haven't seen, I personally don't believe that's supported by, by the literature. Um, so the literature that I've read is almost across the board, either a four to one or a five to one uh, ratio from the omega six to the omega three. Hmm. Okay. Um, thank you for getting into the weeds with that with me. Um, I'm going to, I'd like to ask you a few uh, clinical questions if you don't mind, um, or things that are a little more clinically related, but was there anything else you wanted to say on that topic before we move on? No, okay. that's. Great. So uh, something that you said earlier, and I may, I may be extrapolating from it a bit, but and I'm, I'm now going to paraphrase and extrapolate. Uh, so I'd like to get your two cents on this. So have you um, have you had patients um, where they've been on, you know, say lots of good biochemical support, they've been, you know, getting their treatment for, you know, mold toxicity, Lyme, et cetera, whatever it happens to be, they're dealing with their complex chronic illnesses, they've had good protocol in place, but um, they haven't yet had the cream of the crop phospholipid replacement therapy done. Um, and so the phospholipid replacement therapy is one of, you know, the only, or it's, or it's the only new variable that's brought into their picture. And that's led to clinical changes. Um, subtext for the question is that, um, you know, I know with some clinicians, they're like, oh, I'm going to put you on this, but we're going to bring in like this and this too, and change the diet. And of course we change multiple things at once because we want people to get better lickety split. But I'm just wondering to what extent have you seen phospholipid replacement as like essentially a single variable, um, make a big difference for, um, folks suffering from complex chronic illness. Sounds like it'd help with HDL dysfunction, um, as a single variable, um, but in terms of say fatigue or brain fog or pain or, or whatever it happens to be, um, could you speak to your experience with that as kind of a, an isolated variable for folks? Yeah. I, th I mean, uh, just going back to what I said earlier about, I, I truly believe that it is the single most important treatment to implement phospholipids and essential fatty acids because of what I've seen clinically, because it, you don't only see a complete transformation on labs, you see patient testimonials, uh, patients say they feel better. So there's a lot of supplements that we use, and I don't know if you've had this experience as well, that you'll see labs improve, but that doesn't always equate to the patient saying that they feel the benefit of the supplements. Uh, but over time now with phospholipids and fatty acids, when you're repairing the membrane, you're repairing trillions of cells and even more mitochondria. 
So it takes time. So people don't always notice an improvement right away. But I can say that after patients have been on those products for nine months to a year, you just you see incredible improvements. Um, now, that doesn't mean that that we don't use other treatments. I mean, Bruce implements lots of different treatment modalities, but that's always the foundational treatment. I mean, every single patient is on phospholipid and fatty acid support. Um, so I... I don't really know exactly how to answer that question because again, there's, it's not just one thing that we're doing, uh, but it is that one thing that I know on the IGL, when you look into that test, uh, even talking to the scientist that created that lab, he will say that anything that's wrong with that test, the treatment is phosphatidylcholine. <laughs> uh, that's the power of phosphatidylcholine. Okay. Okay. And when you think about how, much of a role it plays again in in helping to support the structure and the integrity of the cell and all of the other benefits of making sure that we have adequate amounts of that phos of the, those phospholipids and how the cell you know as we age we have decreased a decreased ability to make these phospholipids we have higher levels of oxidative stress and inflammation and catabolic reactions we have more damage to the cell membrane and if we don't have what the what we need to go in and repair that damage I mean that breakdown on a cellular level is what is going to end up with a disease in a disease state. So it is whether you're sick or not there. I mean, I really truly believe that everybody on the planet should be on them. Even when you look at the literature, Brian, around brain atrophy, you know, the, the neurons shrink like a raisin, it shrinks from the inside out. So you see, you know, a breakdown of the structure of the membrane um, that ends up with the neuron dying. And so there's researchers that are hypothesizing now that we could actually potentially mitigate that brain atrophy that we see. We see about a 20% between the ages of 50 and 80, that we could potentially mitigate that using lipid replacement therapy. So, you know, the benefits are just, they're so profound and there's so many that um, I, I just really believe that every patient should be on them. And when it comes to chronic complex illness, even with mast cell activation syndrome, we know that those mast cells the granules that hold those inflammatory chemical mediators are on the membrane. So when those mast cells are degranulating, uh, triggers that they shouldn't be degranulating from, you know, we know that we can we can move the needle in such a big way by providing structure to that cell membrane, um, repairing the damage of the of the membrane. So even with that condition, I mean, lipid replacement therapy is is so key. That's really awesome, and. Um... Yeah, I had the thought like maybe two or three years ago of like, oh, like mast cell activation, like, you know, if we can just stabilize those mast cells, like literally stabilize the cell membrane, like that should have a notable impact. And I feel like some of the therapies I've worked with to strive for that have have been helpful for MCAS patients. Of course, we have such limited uh, natural products available, like limited natural products and pharmaceuticals. And like you run out of options, like what are we going to do for this poor person? Well, let's maybe try some other things. That's, that's great that you, um, that that's something that's been a uh, part of your uh, paradigm as well. Um, also just to, you know, say, um, comment on the, what are, uh, just to say, I think folks should really pay attention to what you're saying about this. Cause I, I ask other guests and, and other clinicians outside of the podcast as well, all the time, like, Oh, like you love this product. Like what is your observation with it as a, a single therapy or like, this is a one individual variable, like on top of the existing protocol, like in terms of moving the needle and to be perfectly frank, in my opinion, like a lot of the times it's like, I don't really get the most satisfactory answer. It's more of like, yeah, well, like I, I'm pretty sure it helps. Like, but um, I just think folks should really pay attention to what you're saying here, Justine, because it sounds like you've looked at this like very critically, and it's like it's like what variable stands out? Like, this is standing shoulders above other things. So I just think folks listening should really pay attention to this. I'm paying attention. I'm excited about it. You've got me revved up and raring to go here. So I'm definitely going to look into this more for my patients. Uh, to be honest, I've gone through several phases of like, ah, like all the literature is like, you know, and logic would dictate we need more phospholipids. And yet, like I've tried this and that, like, you know, sunflower lecithin, uh, soy lecithin, this and that product. And like very, very, it's some patients will uh, experience some benefit and like for the most part, not. So I'm like, okay, I've tried it, failed, tried it, failed. But, you know, it sounds like there might be a key element here where it's not the uh, uh, sort of intact phospholipids and, you know, um, that maybe we've been working with. So I'm, I'm going to give it another try. I'm, I'm, I'm motivated. Yeah. To try again. Well, Brian, just just to build on that, I do want to say that that's that was our experience too before we found Body okay. Bio. 
Okay. Yeah, hundred percent. So it, uh, it we it was Body Bio's product that moved the needle in the way that um, we see the needle move. So I again, I do feel I always like to share this with clinicians that my I didn't get trained by Body Bio. That wasn't I we I saw the benefit of their product and that was the whole reason why I wanted to pursue my learnings in phospholipids and fatty acids. It was because of their products. So it I do they they are so close to my heart. I believe in them wholeheartedly. And when you see, I mean, thousands of patients at this point, uh, we put them on phospholipids. And when you see the benefit that they bring, you really, I mean, there's I am 1000% convinced that it is the most important thing to have in your practice. Um, and especially even just the more and more that I learn about their qualities, when you think about like electromagnetic fields are a perfect example. We are all living in a soup of EMFs and the mechanism of action is these electromagnetic frequencies directly damage our membrane. And so we're not living in a world anymore where, you know, the, the toxin assault is low. I mean, we're, we're bombarded by them constantly um, now, especially with these EMFs. And so if we don't have an abundance of phospholipids to go in and repair damage to the membrane that we're getting damaged every second of every day, uh, we're going to end up in a really dire state of health. And so and even I think for me, when you've had that experience, I mean, I have mast cell activation syndrome. I have been, I've had mold illness. I've, you know, I've been through so many of these seasons of my life that patients that I work with have been through or are going through. And I can say that it was not until I felt like I did everything. And it was not until I started uh, phospholipid therapy that I finally experienced symptom relief. And I even notice it now, if I miss a couple of days, uh, that I mean, my body craves them. It's, um, it's like my body is calling for them. So you just, I mean, they're such a nourishing. And I think that everybody, uh, for the most part that is in tune with their body and with what you need and is eating a whole foods diet and really nutrient dense will feel that way too, that it's just like the nutrients that you were missing and that your body needs so desperately. Um, it's, it's a pretty glowing testimonial, um, Justine and a thousand percent convinced you can't argue with a thousand percent. So it's, it's awesome. Um, and, and one of the th things that I look at, um, a lens through the, through which I look at a lot of things with my patients and just kind of health and physiology in general is like, well, you know, what did nature intend? You know, does, uh, you know, did nature intend us to like be taking these like, you know, phospholipid supplements and this and that? It's like, well, sure, we're going to get, you know, uh, phospholipids from various foods, like, you know, egg yolks and various things like that. I think duck fat's really high in phospholipids if memory serves, but uh, like, so poor ducks, you know, chasing those around. <laughs> Don't go eat all the ducks in your community, folks. Um, but um, it's like, as you, you make the very good point that like, yeah, we're being bombarded by all this electromagnetic radiation, all these different chemicals. Like, you know, I've heard uh, stats that like, you know, 94% of people who are tested for glyphosate, you know, the active ingredient in Roundup, like, you know, we're testing positive for that. And so like, just, I, I hate to say it, like the naturopathic part of my brain is like, no, no, just like go eat organic food, get some sunshine, have some, you know, good sleep and like everything's going to be fine. But like, it's not a fair playing field. It's not a hundred years ago or 200 years ago. We've got, you know, heck it's not 30 years ago, you know, when I was, you know, fairly young, you know, still growing up. Like, so um, on the one hand, it's like kind of sad and depressing to hear like, oh, I need my phospholipids to feel good. But at the same time, like this is the world we're living in. And if that's what your body needs, you're getting that feedback, then like, so be it, you know, like, unless you're going to go move out to the, on, onto the moon, which might have its own challenges. Like it's just, we, we've got to buffer the um, onslaught of things that are around us. And I hate to say it, but if you find those effective tools, um, it can be really invaluable. So it sounds like this is one of those tools for you anyways, and, and a majority of your patients. For sure. And I mean, just working in the, in the field of nutrition for as long as I have as well, I, and I don't know if you're doing uh, micro and macronutrient assessments on your patients, but I, I've had that belief system too, Brian, that we could get everything that we need from food, as long as we're eating a whole food nutrient dense diet. And I just, it's just not reality. Uh, our food system is so depleted and even those people that are eating all whole foods, nothing processed, you know, eating a good amount of food. They're not calorie restricting. They're, you know, not doing crazy fasting. They're, they're really working on nourishing their body. They're 
nobody is hitting all those, those targets. Um, I have yet to see one. So I do think that supplementation and, and nutraceuticals are, are key for filling in those gaps. Um, so, um, not to leave things on too low and depressing of a note, uh, bearing in mind, there are lots of folks out there that are working to, you know, push back against, you know, chemical contamination and, you know, uh, out there advocating about electromagnetic radiation reduction, et cetera. So, so don't give up hope folks. There are, you know, good, good, uh, folks fighting the good fight out there. Um, but, uh, anyways, um, yes, it's, it's a bit of a dire straits, but we'll, we'll, we'll pull ourselves out of it. We're resilient as a species. Um, one, a couple other questions I have for you, Justine, just before we wrap up, I feel like I could pick your brain for another hour, but, uh, no, we, we don't have that much time. Um, uh, one just kind of side question that popped in my mind. I was super excited about uh, alpha glycerophosphylcholine when I heard about it. Uh, you know, alpha GPC, as some folks might um, have, have heard it referred to. Um, it's like you look at the research literature, like, ah, like helping with, you know, neurological function and this and that. And like, it was just another disappointing fossil lipid chapter in my life. You know, tried it with several patients. I think maybe one or two, like saw some benefit. I took it myself, didn't see any difference. Um, so I'm just wondering if uh, you could speak to any experience you might have with uh, alpha glycerophosphylcholine um, in contrast to, I, I know the punchline is going to be body bio products are the best. I, I, I get that. Uh, any any uh, um, experience with the alpha GPC that you could share? So we, I, I would strongly advise not using it. Uh, I've, I've actually, I was taught, and again, I, I'm happy to send you the literature on this as well. Um, it It's actually high in brains of individuals that have been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. So we see high levels of that glycerol um, phospholipid in, in Alzheimer's brains, Parkinson's and MS, I believe was the other neurological condition. Uh, it is a completely different animal than taking pure phospholipids to support the, the membrane. So I, I would never recommend it. Um, I know that it's been talked about a lot recently and there's a lot of people taking it. And every time I hear an advertisement on a podcast for alpha GPC, I'm like, no, <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to take it. Uh, you just, yeah, I want to make sure that you're supporting your membranes um, with, with pure phospholipids. So I'm, I'm not a fan of it at all, but I'm happy to show you, send me an email after I'm happy to show you that literature on um, alpha GPC. Okay. We'll, we'll do. Yeah. I haven't prescribed it in a long time, but uh, yeah, just cause it didn't seem to work, but um, yeah, it sounds like it's actually a bad idea. So, okay. Uh, thank you <laughs> for that info. Uh, one other quick question. And then I have one other question and then we'll probably wrap things up because I think we'll be out of time. Um, uh, just in terms of phosphatidylserine, um, I've also been generally fairly underwhelmed with phosphatidylserine uh, for like, I know some folks uh, you know, take it for as kind of like an adrenal support supplement, some folks for cognitive support, et cetera. Uh, I guess kind of two-part question, um, does the, do the BioBody products have phosphatidylserine in their mix? I think yes, from what you said earlier and you're nodding. Um, and uh, any experience with folks, you know, it's like, oh, taking a phosphatidylserine supplement, because I would presume that's not just sunflower lecithin in there. I assume that's, you know, standardized a bit more to like actually having phosphatidylserine in there. But could, could you speak to phosphatidylserine supplements a little bit? Yeah. So first of all, the body bio PC does have serine in it. And remember with the complex, you're getting those phospholipids from a whole food sort um, form in the ideal ratios of PC, PE, PI, and PS. So phosphatidylcholine, phosphatidylethanolamine, phosphatidylnositol, and phosphatidylserine. Uh, the research that I've uh, read on, on phosphatidylserine. So you want to keep those phospholipids in the appropriate concentration. That's how we're going to help to support the health of the membrane. High dose phosphatidylserine supplementation actually can induce cell death by flipping the cell membrane when those concentrations um, become out of balance. So I'm, I'm not a supporter of high dose phosphatidylserine supplementation. I think if you were to use it to help to blunt cortisol for a short period of time, you're probably not going to run into too much trouble, but I definitely wouldn't recommend high dose phosphatidylserine supplementation long-term uh, just because of that literature that I've read about it inducing uh, cell death and flipping the cell membrane. Um, and, uh, just probably my last question here, um, you mentioned earlier about, um, how there's, um, 
when you supplement with uh, both creatine and phospholipids, uh, um, it helps to take a lot of the burden off of the body's uh, methylation demands, um, which a yeah, really important point. Uh, one of the many things I was disappointed in with my previous forays into phospholipids was like, oh, it didn't really seem to help the folks that I was hoping it would uh, take the burden off their their uh, uh, methylation cycles. Uh, so excited to hopefully see that um, working in my practice, uh, taking a different approach. Um, so just in my experience with more direct methylation support um, in terms of, you know, say high dose uh, methylcobalamin or even just, you know, reasonable doses or maybe higher doses of methylfolate, uh, some folks can just really flare like crazy um, various mechanisms by which that might happen. But I'm just wondering if as you're um, titrating up, say the dose of um, uh, intact phospholipids, do you see, you know, detox symptoms that seem to be related to overmethylation kind of by proxy or um, how, how are the phospholipids generally tolerated? They're, they're generally tolerated very well. You will, because I, I work with so many individuals who have mast cell activation syndrome, I think I see more sensitivity to the phospholipids than, than most people would. So in that demographic of patient, you want to start really low and slow for sure. Now, phospholipids also have signaling properties. So there is the potential that I think this is probably happening in a lot of the reactions that those phospholipids are acting as signaling molecules and that signaling is degranulating uh, the mast cells and causing you know those thousand chemical mediators to be released. And then that's initiating these multi-system, multi-organ symptoms. They also remember a changing brain chemistry. So a lot of people will, well, I shouldn't say a lot of people, but you will run into individuals who say they have brain fog or they get some sort of cognitive symptoms associated with introducing phospholipids. And that is likely just the change in the brain chemistry and the brain acclimating to those new levels of phospholipids. So obviously we don't want to push through symptoms that are causing us to be you know, bedridden. But I think for most people, if the symptoms are tolerable, those are going to subside relatively quickly, uh, especially as you build up your levels. We start patients on about half a teaspoon or a quarter of a teaspoon, uh, generally, if they're sensitive, and then highly sensitive people will start on an eighth of a teaspoon, and then slowly work that dose up over the course of, of a couple of weeks to more of a therapeutic dose. And I had mentioned before, we're using about two tablespoons, I'd say on average, uh, in most, most patients that are chronically ill. Of course, it depends on the weight of the patient and metabolic demand. There's lots of factors that go into that. But, uh, the, the thing is, is, you know, those symptoms are not necessarily, a lot of people associate them with detoxification. Uh, I don't really think that a quarter of a teaspoon or half a teaspoon, or, you know, even a teaspoon is going to be, uh, enough to really, cause detox symptoms. I think if you're getting a PCIV, uh, that could be a possibility, but I don't think those low doses are um, going to contribute to those symptoms. I think it would be more likely that it's uh, a mast cell symptom and they're causing the signaling properties are causing the mast cell to degranulate and then, and then creating those symptoms to manifest. But I also don't have, you know, everybody is so different. That's one thing working with uh, people <laughs> in general you're just, everyone is so different and you can read research all day long and it doesn't always equate to, it almost never actually equates to, you know, clinical practice, clinical experience. So. There's definitely a disconnect there for some things anyways, but yeah, it's all uh, just piecing it together and doing the best we can and having these conversations and sharing experience and yeah. Yeah. Um, well, uh, Justine, um, thank you for all the information. And again, I do have probably a half dozen other questions off the top of my head, but uh, maybe, maybe we can chat again at some point down the road um, if you're available. Um, uh, just before we wrap things up, uh, would you be able to just share um, how folks can get in touch with you, um, either via social, like uh, uh, where are you on social media? Um, do you have any online offerings? Um, if folks want to work with you directly, what are what are the options that they have? Yeah, so um, I'm at Justine Cellular Nutrition on Instagram. And I'm really active on Instagram. As you know, I do a lot of education, uh, educational reels on Instagram. And then on my link tree and my link in bio, there's uh, links to get in touch with me if you want to book a session and products that I love, etc. I would also encourage uh, people to look at the body bio uh, website. They have so much information, uh, so many blog posts. So if you're interested in learning more about 
sell membrane medicine about their products. Also, you can always send me a DM on Instagram if you have questions about any of the products or about cellular health, mitochondrial health. I'm always happy to support people um, in the best way that I can. Obviously, I can't give medical advice, but I'm happy to answer any non-medical questions. Awesome. And uh, yeah, as I said in my little intro I recorded before we started chatting, I uh, very much enjoy your Instagram posts. You always have interesting topics. That's the reason I reached out to see if you chat with me because, yeah, you definitely talk about um, a lot of things and it's yeah definitely not generic posting and whatnot. So it's really, really good content. So definitely worth following, Justine, if you folks aren't following her already on Instagram. Um, so uh, thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. Um, so thank you so much uh, for your time today, Justine. Really appreciate it. And um, um, yeah, we look forward to having a chat again at some point. Um, and thanks so much to everyone for uh, tuning into this episode of the Overcoming Chronic Illness podcast. Um, we hope that it was educational and informative and please stay tuned for the next one.